We're back at it with the CFP 365 podcast. It's been a little while, but Anthony Media Days have begun. The Big 12 Media Days got kicked off on, uh, I guess it was Wednesday. Um, so Media Day is Media Days are upon us, which is the unofficial official start of the college football season, in my mind. Marty, of course, can't join us tonight. Uh, he's having some Wi-Fi issues. But he has fed us some uh, answers for things we'll be going over in the next few minutes. Going to make this a quick episode uh, just because we're going to be doing a lot of these over the next few weeks. uh, And sometimes possibly even multiple episodes a week with all the media days going on. Trying to keep conferences to their own episode. Uh, But media days, big 12, here we go. I guess let's start from the top, and then the biggest news coming out of media days in Arlington, Mike Gundy, the mullet is gone. Their season is gone. That's all I got. I, I, I just can't see Oklahoma State doing anything in the Big 12 this year if Mike Gundy doesn't have that beautiful mullet. This is a very disappointing day for the boys in Stillwater. Um it's it, it's just upsetting, you know. I had high hopes for Oklahoma State, and without that mullet, I I just don't see how they can get it done this year. Now, well, the good news is I was listening to ESPN earlier, and he says he just got a cut because he didn't want to have to go back into the uh, barber shop before the season and get it cut again. So he said, just cut it to where my hair will be back in time for the season. So hopefully. When Oklahoma State takes the field for the first time this year, the mullet's back on the back of Mike Gundy's head. Well, then terrific. My faith in the team is restored. So uh, this is this is a beautiful thing. Always planning two steps ahead. You love to see it. All right. Well, now in all seriousness, there was some <laughs> notable stuff to come out of Arlington with this uh, 2021 Media Day. Um, the first one was that uh, Commissioner Bob Bowlesby um, really got, he made a big I don't want to say deal of it, but he really drove home that he wants players in the Big 12 football and other sports to go get vaccinated and that he finds they're really not no reason not to get vaccinated Um and it, this is, it's really been a different tone we've seen than from other conference commissioners or commissioners of sports leagues. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a good message. Um, obviously, you know, you want players, as much players get vaccinated as possible because it, it'll – potentially help prevent the spread of COVID throughout the season, which could derail some seasons for some guys and for some, for some teams. Um, obviously, there is a, a level of choice to that as well. You know, you can't force anybody to get a vaccine. But, um, yeah, I think for the sake of college football, um, to have as many players vaccinated as possible would be a good thing for all teams and for all conferences. Because I remember he also said that, you know, if a team – has to shut down for a little bit because of COVID, they're not going to be able to make up those games this year. The games are just going to get straight up canceled. They're going to be forced to forfeit. And that could change the perplexion of so many seasons for so many teams. So I think it makes sense what he's trying to say. Absolutely. And the good news for the Big 12 is according to Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, um, 75% that most of his school's teams are at a 75% vaccination rate or better. You know, that's terrific. Oh, that's exactly where you want uh, your your team to be going into the season. So, you know, hopefully that pays off and we can have a full college football season this year because I think that's just what everybody wants, a sense of normalcy. And college football, Saturdays in the fall, that provides normalcy to the lives of all of us. So... Fingers crossed. Exactly. Fingers are definitely crossed. The other general news that we had come out media days, uh, and that was today on Thursday, is that 
horns down and most taunting towards opponents this year in the Big 12 is going to be called. Um, I'm not a fan of that, Anthony. I want to see horns down every time. Yeah, that feels a little soft to me. Uh, I, I don't know. Like I understand no. that like Texas fans don't like it, but you know, it's it's not derogatory. It's it's not offensive. You know, it's not like it it means something bad. It it's just like a taunt, I guess. And exactly, I guess, I guess that's the reason why they're taking it away. But as a neutral fan, as someone who doesn't support Texas, I like the horns down gesture. I think it's fun. And uh, I'm going to be a little sad to see it go. And and uh, we have a surprise visitor. Marty has actually been able to join us, so no need for me to rattle off Marty's answers as we go on. Uh, but Marty, we'll throw you right into it. We were just talking about how the Big 12 has said horns down is going to be a penalty this year if you do it towards a player. But they said it may not necessarily be a penalty if you do it towards the fans. What's I mean, your take? on top of the fact that banning like the horns down or any other like gesture like that, that isn't extremely obscene is stupid to begin with. Like what sense does it make? That's like, okay, you can do this towards fans, but not towards players. Like that just, it makes no sense to me. You know, I, 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 agree. I don't understand that logic. Once again, it's the NCAA I understand this more than Big 12, but still the NCAA doing what it does best and making rules that make no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that's pretty well put. Uh, additionally, um, like you said, Anthony, the Big 12 is not allowed, is not expecting to allow teams to postpone or cancel games this year, which uh, is a big reason Bowlesby is really pushing that vaccination rate. And the good news for the Big 12, as we said, is – most teams are at the 75% or more vaccinated, which, um, I mean, th- that'll definitely limit the issues. Uh, did he, any either of you see any other notable news you want to talk about generally for the Big 12 or nationally? No. I, I got nothing. So. Let's just dive into it. All right. Well, then, all right. Then we'll dive right into the Big 12 here. Um, not going to go too in-depth. We went in-depth on all these teams this offseason already, so just more of a general um, overview of the Big 12. Uh, let's start from the top, guys. Um, as we enter this season, who do we have as the favorites to be at the top of the Big 12 at the end of the regular season? And why is it Kansas and Baylor? Marty, I'll let you go first. Um, all right. Well, actually, I'm glad I was able to hop on here because, Dylan, I know I texted you some of the answers and in the five minutes that passed and I was able to reconsider things. I, I kind of changed some stuff up. Um, sure. I still definitely have Oklahoma making the, the Big 12 championship game. But, you know, I'm going to go out here on, on a little bit of a limb and I'm going to say they wind up playing TCU. Um I think TCU is due for a little bit of a bounce back season. They've been down the last few years. Gary Patterson is too good of a coach, I feel, to continue to allow that to happen. Um, They should be pretty well off at the quarterback position this season, which is something that's always important. So I'm going to go ahead and say Oklahoma and TCU in the Big 12 championship. And and it's great that you say that because TCU, while I don't know if I'm ready to put them in the Big 12 championship, is a team I think is going to be vastly improved this year. Um, on the offensive defensive lines, they're going to be much improved from last year. They return a ton of talent there. And we, if, you got, if people have listened to the podcast before, they know that I'm a huge believer in that the lines of scrimmage win you games and win you championships. Uh, and I think that's going to be a huge, huge boost for TCU this year, and then, like you said, at the quarterback position with um, Max Duggan, um, last year everybody expected him to take a step forward, but because of COVID, and then he had that heart issue prior to the start of the season, he just didn't have the developmental time to get that going. He struggled a little bit at the start of the season, but towards the end of the season, we really saw him take that step forward, and I think he's going to take that big step forward we expected last year 
end of this season. So I think TCU is on a great path or has a great path to success this year. And if you told me they finished fourth, third, or even second in the conference this year, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, Anthony, what two teams do you have at the top of the leaderboard when the season comes to an end? I do like Marty's pick of TCU. I do think they're a team that's going to be much improved this year. But um, I'm not going to exactly be creative with my two at the top. I'm just going to go with the two teams that are expected to be at the top at the end of the year, and that's Oklahoma and Iowa State. I just really love this Iowa State offense. I love Matt Campbell as a coach. Um, and they just they return everybody, on, especially on offense. You know, Brock Purdy's back. Brees Hall is back at running back. They got Charlie Kohler and Xavier Hutchinson as their top weapons, you know, in the passing game. And most of their offensive line is back and should be one of the best in the Big 12 this year. So I think that it's going to be Oklahoma, and this is going to be the best Iowa State team that we've ever seen, period. And they were pretty damn good last year as well. Sure. I, I definitely think Iowa uh, State is going to be really pushing for that at least 10 win mark. I mean, I think Vegas has them at 10 wins, which uh, I'm, has Iowa State ever have that level of success in a season? I No, I actually, I was listening to the Cover 3 podcast. Um, a day or two ago, and they were talking about Iowa State. And this is almost hard to believe because how long they played football for, but Iowa State has never had a 10-win season. There you go. I mean, I I do wonder if they will slip up. I mean, we've seen it with other schools like a, a Penn State, Michigan State, um, a lot of these schools that have big seasons when you don't necessarily expect them, not that Iowa State is necessarily on the level of a Penn State or Michigan State historically, but having that one season for Iowa State 2020 to get you to that spot where you're in the national spotlight, I don't want to say it comes easy, but for those schools, it's easy to have that level of success throughout, not easy, but once you get one win, two wins, three wins, you build that momentum and you carry that success. But now entering the season, Iowa State is no longer the hunters. They're the ones being hunted by everybody in the Big 12 besides Oklahoma. And I wonder, are they going to be able to continue at this level of success with the target painted on their back, if that makes sense? Because we've seen teams like Penn State slip up when they shouldn't have in the past. Oh, I absolutely get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And this is – this has to be Iowa State's year to make noise because they they have so much experience in their upper class on offense. Their defense is also really strong, especially in the secondary because they have Ashim Young, who I think is a breakout candidate. They brought in Jaquan Amos, who's a really talented transfer safety from – from Villanova, they, they've got a bunch of guys on that defense as well. If they're going to win anything of relevance in the Big 12, it has to be this year because Matt Campbell can speak all he wants about, you know, he wants to build something at Iowa State, and he's happy to be there. And I believe him when he says that. But he's eventually going to get an offer from a team that he can't refuse. And it's going to come in the very near future, whether it's a year, two, or even three years from now. It's going to come in the next three years. So this is the year for Iowa State to win something if they want to do anything in the Big 12. I agree. And I, and I was actually listening to ESPN throughout the media days, and Matt Campbell was talking about why he chose to stay in Ames, and he said a lot of it, it doesn't come, it's not for him, and every coach says, it's not about chasing the money or chasing the fame and fortune of being a big-time coach. But he's staying in Ames right now because it's somewhere he's comfortable, but also his family is comfortable. And well, I I forget the saying he was he said it was something along the lines of you're either somebody you're always chasing to be somebody, or you're staying somewhere to be somebody. And he's 
he wants to be somebody at Iowa State and not necessarily go chasing bigger coaching jobs. Obviously, he's eventually going to offer he can't refuse, but um, as hopefully Iowa State just enjoys him as long as they can. Um, now, for myself, I'm going to go with Oklahoma, and I think we're going to have to go with Iowa State as well. Uh, I, I just think they, they'll have an edge over TCU. <clears throat> In terms of experience and overall talent, though, TCU is a pretty damn talented team, Aaron, this year. That being said, um, Marty, TCU, I think would be a team that a lot of people would say is a surprising pick. Is that a team you expect to be a surprising team in the Big 12 this year? Yeah, I definitely think they are. Um, you know, maybe not to uh, necessarily go full cop out on it and throw you another team since I do have TCU in the Big 12 championship game. I think Kansas State has a nice bounce back season. Um, I, I like that coaching staff a whole lot. You know, it, it's going to hinge on the health of Skylar Thompson, obviously. Um, if he's healthy, I think Kansas State is a team that can make some noise in the Big 12, give some of those upper teams in the conference all they can handle and sneak out of the season with eight or so wins and find themselves in a you know, nice bounce-back season and head into a decent bowl game. Anthony, what's the team you think could surprise this year? I think uh, I'm going to go a little bit out there here. I, I think that uh, West Virginia could be a team that surprises people. And when I say surprise, I don't necessarily mean they're competing at the top of the conference. But I think they're a team that could have a really solid record at the end of the year. I think Neil Brown has done a tremendous job with that team. I think they're moving in the right direction. I think a lot of their success is going to depend on Jared Doge at quarterback and how he progresses this year. Um, he was okay last year, but there's obviously room for improvement there. And I think how they replace those guys in the secondary, they lost those, I think like three or four guys starters in the secondary, including their all American safety Tyke Smith in the transfer portal. Um, if they can replace, you know, you're not going to replace Tyke Smith, but if they can get solid production out of their secondary and improvement out of their quarterback play, I think West Virginia could put together a decent season. I agree. And Neil Brown was as every coach would be really high on his team around this season, but he said he's expecting his team to take a big step forward this year after entering year three, and they started gaining momentum at, during last season when they went a th- when they went six and four. Um, that being said, it, it will be interesting to see how their record looks at the end of the season because I think they're a team that may play better than their record indicates because by the time the season ends out of their 12 games, they will have played 11 power five opponents. Their only non power five opponent is I think long Island. So I I agree with you though. I think they're a team that's going to be pretty good this year in terms of they're going to stay in a lot of games they're going to keep games close. They're going to get some wins maybe they don't necessarily deserve or you think they'd get. But I do wonder if a tougher schedule make it look as though they didn't play to a certain level. Yeah. <clears throat> Dylan, you are correct. Their only non-Power 5 team is against LIU. Other than that, their non-con games are Maryland, who, I mean, yes, it's Maryland, but, you know, they have a good quarterback and Talia Tagovailoa and Virginia Tech, which is always a heated rivalry between Virginia Tech and West Virginia. But So, yes, that, that schedule could hurt them. But I, I do like that pick. Although, had I knock on Kansas State, I was thinking about WVU there for a lot of the same reasons you guys said. I, I think Neil Brown's a terrific coach, and I think this year things really start to click for them. I I, I agree. Um, ooh, I go with uh, – you know what? I'll go with – no, I can't go with those guys. I'll go Kansas State. Kansas State's always a safe bet. Um, love Chris Kleiman. Um, I thought he did a really good job um, so far in Manhattan, and I think he'll have that team ready to go every pretty much every week, and uh, we'll see if they could pull off another early season upset or two. But I'll go with Kansas State. They're not necessarily going to win the conference or – me in the conference championship game, 
But I think they're going to play um, spoiler a couple times. All right. What we move on to our we talked about teams that were surprised. What are some teams that are going to disappoint? Uh, I'll start. Let's start with you guys will be shocked here. Texas. You probably just took all of our answers with that one, but yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I love Steve Sarkeesian. I think he's I think he is a bright football mind. He's obviously one of the best offensive minds in college football. But I just don't know how fixable Texas really is. Like I think Texas outside of a small window of time, Texas has pretty much been a above average program if I'm I mean let, let's let's go look at Texas's historic records give me one second I mean I'll, I'll fill in for you while you're doing that fill I mean, in. Texas is a program with a lot of prestige it's in a desirable location in Austin beautiful campus beautiful area and you know they've they've won national championships so you know they have history to them. But, yeah, ever since the mid-2000s, or, or maybe, I guess, 2009 was the last time they were in the national championship game, yeah, they, they've been pretty much just average to slightly above average. I do agree with you on that. Okay, so historically, Texas's golden era came between 2001 and, obviously, 2009. They won 10-plus games every year. They made two national championships, won one. Um, but outside of that, I mean, they win ten. They they get ten win seasons, but they get maybe one or two a decade. I think that's where Texas can be again, but I don't think, I don't think we should expect Texas to ever be that like Mac Brown era of Texas football again. There's just too many people in Texas recruiting now for Texas, I think, to be able to be that successful. Yeah, I think one thing a lot of people overlook with Texas football because, I mean, it's Texas. To the, the, the Texas Longhorns are one of the biggest brands. It's the state of Texas where, you know, football is the most important thing in the world. But prior to Mac Brown becoming their head coach, you know, there, in 1969 when Texas won the national championship, when it should have been Penn State, but we're not getting into that. Um, in that 30-year stretch, Texas had four 10-win seasons. That's it. And like you said, Dylan, the Mac Brown years truly were the golden years of Texas football. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. I think a lot of people, you, you take that prestige of Texas football and wrap it up with how just terrific of a job Mac Brown did, especially that stretch from 2001 through 2009 when they won double-digit games every year, went to two national championship games and won one of them. I think a lot of people think that's the norm for Texas and it never has been. And I don't think it ever will be for a lot of the reasons you said, you know, the state of Texas has become so competitive recruiting Texas A&M joining the sec definitely does not help them. And the fact that Oklahoma, I feel like Oklahoma is what a lot of people think Texas actually is. And that doesn't help them either because the Sooners recruit Texas really well and pretty much run the big 12 conference. So I, I think that, Coming into the season, like you said, I agree with you on Sark. I think Sark's one of the best offensive minds in football. I think he can turn Texas back in to a playoff contender, but it's going to take time, and I think a lot of people act like that's going to happen this season, and I don't think it will. I think Texas will be a fine team. I think they'll probably win eight, maybe nine games, but they're not going to reach, reach those expectations that people are expecting. I think Texas, in terms of consistent success, could get to – the level of a a Washington, Penn State, Florida, yeah. those second to third tier, not tier, but second to third teams in their conference. Now, Texas, most years, should be the second best team in that conference, but it's, it's like Florida and Georgia, Florida and Alabama. There's a huge gap. Penn State, Ohio State. There's just a huge gap right now between Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and it, not even necessarily talent, but just from top to bottom, there's just a big gap that's going to be so incredibly hard to overcome. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. But one thing I think that does work in Texas's favor is the setup of the Big 12 where they don't have divisions. Because um, I, I think that there's no reason Texas – Texas should be the second best team in the Big 12 every year. Yes. And, you know, you take like the Penn State analogy, for example, which is a team I thought of where there's no reason Texas shouldn't be Penn State. And Penn State gets screwed over because they're – I mean, look, the last four or five years – with the exception of last year, they're probably the second best team in the Big Ten every year since 2017, but they're in the same division as Ohio State. Texas doesn't have to deal with being in that same division as Oklahoma like they used to have to do back in the days of the Big 12 championship game when it was split between North and South. So I think that is something that works in the Texas's favor and can really help them kind of get back to that point because, you know, especially once this playoff expands in a couple of years, if Texas wins the Big 12 and they're 11-2, and 10-3, and three, as Big 12 champions, they're going to get in. And I, I just, I really do think Texas, I think Texas with Sark is set up to really hit some serious success. Um, maybe, probably not as good as they were under Mac Brown, but maybe the second best stretch of success we've ever seen in the history of that program outside of that stretch. But it's not going to be this season. I feel like a lot of people think it's going to be this season. I agree. I think Texas's goal under Sark- Sarkeesian shouldn't be about this year. And it shouldn't be about next year. It should be about 2023 and on once the college ball playoffs expand. Because if he can, if there's struggles this year and next year, that's fine. But if he can build that team back into a top 12, top 15, top 12, 15 team every year, then he'll be, Texas will be just fine for the next decade plus. Anthony. You look like you had some thoughts. Yeah, I was just going to add, like, Texas should be one of the easiest schools in the country to win at. If you look at everything it has going for them, its location, it's in a prime football spot. No state in the country cares more about football than Texas does. The amount of money that that program has funneled into it year after year after year, it's probably up there with every school in the country. Like, that school can pay for any coach anything that it needs, Texas can can funnel money into it. Their boosters are ridiculous. And, like, the amount of recruits that come out of Texas, I mean, Texas probably has the highest, it's probably right up there with Florida, probably more so, the top recruits in the country come out of Texas. Texas should have the easiest time recruiting and winning ball games, and for some reason it just does not click. I don't know if it's just because there's other schools in Texas, Schools like Oklahoma, LSU, and even like Alabama and like those other schools recruit Texas so well. I don't know what the deal is, but Texas should be so much better than they are. And I think they will get to that point with Sarkeesian, like Marty said. I do like him as a coach, and I do like where he's going to take Texas. But it's not going to be this year because they don't have a solid starting quarterback. Casey Thompson and Hudson Card have the potential to get to that point, one of them obviously. But, you know, it's still to be determined. They have a great running back, but they still need more weapons on the outside as receivers. So I don't think this is the year for them. I do think it's going to be a slight disappointment to what their expectations are, but I think that they're set up to compete into the future. And that's the thing with Texas this year is the quarterback. I mean, Casey Thompson, Hudson Card both have tons of potential, great potential, but they're unknowns. And that's something really across the Big 12. In the Big 12 entering this season, you have two quarterbacks I think you could say are really good quarterbacks, and that's Brock Purdy and Spencer Rattler. Outside of them, a lot of the quarterbacks have questions, whether that's passing the ball, holding on to the ball, injury concerns. Everybody else in the conference really has questions at quarterback that is going to make it tough to – get past Iowa State or Oklahoma. And I think that's what may cho- uh, cross up Texas here at some point this season. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Um, it's going to be interesting to attract uh, Texas over the next few years because if, if they can't put it together with Stark, I really don't know if when they're going to be able to put it together, who's going to be the guy outside of like a Saban or a Meyer, which is what they think they deserve as a coach. Who's going to be the guy? Yeah, Matt Campbell. Yeah. Does Matt Campbell want to move to Texas and, and try to rebuild that brand? 
you know, I think they would give him a lot of money to do so. That's true. They do have a lot of money. But that's if Sark fails, which I think is a big if. I, I have a good feeling Sark is going to return Texas to being a not a national power, but they're going to be pretty good for a while. All right, let's move on to our next topic. And that's going to be, what's one big question you guys have about the Big 12 in general? Or one little thing you think, or not necessarily little, but one thing you may think could decide the conference. So, um, for example, um, Texas's quarterback play could decide a lot of the Big 12 stands this year, and potentially the conference championship as a whole. That's just an example. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Anthony. Um, I'll stick with um, the Texas talk just because uh, one of my favorite players this year is on Texas, and that's Bajon Robinson. Um, how good can Bajon Robinson be? Because I think he has superstar potential. And can he carry this Texas team while they try to find their quarterback? Kind of like, obviously this is kind of a bad comparison because Reggie Bush still had Matt Leinard as as his quarterback, but can Bijan Robinson be a superstar among superstars and kind of carry Texas to a solid season? Fair. Marty? Um, Well... I think one thing actually really to watch with this for deciding a Big 12 champion this year, um, I, I think it's – I'm going to look at Iowa State. Their offense was not very explosive last season in the past game. And I think if Iowa State's going to get to where they want to get this season, they need to find that explosive passing threat. Um, they just didn't have it last year. It was relying a lot on Brees Hall, which is great because I think the guy's one of the two or three best running backs in the, in the country. But that, in the Big 12, that's not going to win you the Big 12. Um, excuse me. I, I do think Iowa State, if they're going to do it, they need to find that deep passing attack, and that is that is a big X factor in the conference this year. I'm going to go with uh, a team we talked about earlier, and that's going to be uh, with TCU. Can Max Dugan take that step forward? If Max Dugan can take a step forward, this TCU team has a chance to be really dangerous because, like I said, that offensive line, defensive line is going to be improved. They certainly have a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. I mean, they they don't get a ton of guys drafted, but, I mean, every year it seems like they have somebody getting drafted in the first round. And I, I even forgot about this for a while. They have a five-star running back back there in the backfield in Zachary Evans. Another guy I think could take a big step forward this season. Then we move on to who do we believe will be the conference player of the year? We'll start with you, Marty. I mean, for me, this is a no-brainer. I think it's Spencer Rattler. Um, I think Spencer Rattler's got a legitimate shot to play himself into being the top quarterback off the board in the draft next spring with the big season. And uh, I, I'm a I'm a big Spencer Rattler believer. I think he's an awesome athlete. I think he's a terrific quarterback. He, you know, obviously took some lumps early in the season last year, but by the end of the year was playing as good as just about any quarterback in the country, not named Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. So I think uh, I think it's going to be Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Rattler really did improve last. I mean, he got benched at one point last year, but after being benched, he he really took a big step forward, and you saw a lot of improvement, and it was it was impressive. I think he's he's in for a huge season, Anthony. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against Spencer Rattler. I think he has superstar potential and the ability to be the top player off the board next year in the NFL draft, not just the top quarterback off the board. Obviously, Sam Howell might have something to say about that for North Carolina. But, I mean, other guys that could be in that conversation, like I said, I think Bajon Robinson has the potential to be in that conversation. And then the two guys at Iowa State, um, Brees Hall and Brock Purdy, also have um, – a conversation to be had about them in terms of Big 12 Player of the Year, but it'll probably be Spencer Rattler. He's the front runner for sure. 
I was also going Spencer Rattler, so I'm not even going to waste my time going over why. You guys pretty much summed it up greatly. Um, Spencer Rattler, I think, has an argument for the best player in the country entering the season. He has an argument. Yeah, I definitely. I, I, I would, I'm not saying I would say he is, but I definitely think there's a strong argument to be made for that. Exactly. I, I don't, I'm not sure I can give an argument, give the argument of why he would be or if he is, but I definitely think you could if you wanted to. Uh, I mean, Sam Howe has to be up there. Who else would he be competing with? Um, uh, he's up there. That's all I know. I mean, just, um, play, just like player of the year in general, like not just like quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah just, are you talking quarterbacks? Or we just talking? no, just overall. I mean, you know him, Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously. Oh yeah, Kayvon. Eric Stingley yeah. over at LSU. Eric Stingley, yeah. Jake yeah. Daniels, maybe Chris Olave, but I, I definitely think uh, there's an argument to me for Spencer Rattler as the best player in college football. Uh, yep. Um, all right. Well, that was easy. Then, do we all agree who's going to win the Big Twelve? Probably. If if you have Oklahoma, say I. I. All right. Well, that was easy too. Uh, all right. Then let, let's do it this way. Uh, Marty, give me one reason why Iowa State can win the Big 12. I think if Iowa State wins the Big 12, it's because Brock Purdy takes a big step forward. That passing game takes a big step forward, develops that deep threat. And to be honest with you, I also think it would include the Oklahoma defense not taking the step forward that I'm expecting them to this year with another year of Alex Grinch under their belt. That's a great point about the defense. and Defense as a whole in the Big 12 is going to be a big, uh, interesting factor this year because last year we saw defense in the Big 12 take a huge step forward from where we haven't seen it in a long time. So I'll be interested to see, does that continue here in 2021 or is that kind of just a part of a weird COVID season? Anthony, yours is a little different. Give me – any reason why any team – it could be a specific team if you want – why any team not named Iowa State or Oklahoma could win the Big 12 this year? Oh, man. Um, that, that's a hard question because I really, I really can't see anybody but those two making it. But That's why, uh, that's why I asked it. Um, I'll, I'll say – I'll just go back to Texas and TCU. Um, if Max doesn't can take a step forward – and be a really, really good quarterback. TCU will have potential to get there. You know, they've got decent weapons on that team. You know, they got Zach Evans in the backfield, and their defense is, is, is decent. I can see them having potential, even if I really don't see it personally. And uh, Texas, if they, they, they've still got talent on that team. If, if they can find a quarterback and that defense can be more consistent in the passing game, not allowing 400 yards a game, you know, Texas could, you know, be there. Why not? this year i don't know <laughs> i really don't have a solid answer those are really the only two teams i can see making it they're just so talented right now and i think they're just so above the rest of the big 12 at the moment i hold on hold on hold on a second here yes now, go. point out you worded the question differently for me i'm the guy who doesn't have iowa state in the big 12 championship game yet you asked me what iowa state has to do to win the big 12 now what has to happen for oklahoma not to win it just to say, I'm I'm the. Well, do you do you have an do you have an I answer do. for uh, do you have an answer for his question, and then Anthony Anthony you do you have an answer for the Iowa State question? I just think Iowa State is a complete team. I I think they have a great group of upperclassmen. I think they've played together for a few years now, and you just can't take that away from a team. Sometimes teams that have great chemistry together can just go far, and they can do things that you didn't expect them to do. So that's why I think Iowa State could potentially win the Big 12. Marty, do you have an answer for Anthony's question? Or the question I asked Anthony? Well, the, the main reason I would say TCU has an opportunity to win the Big 12 um, or any team not named Oklahoma or Iowa State, I do think Iowa State, just with that lack of a passing attack, and I still have some questions about their defense. 
I'm not a huge believer in the Cyclones. I think they're going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to be this like top 10 to 12 team a lot of people painted them as. And with TCU, to me, and this is not a knock on Matt Campbell because I think Matt Campbell is a terrific coach. I think sooner than later he's going to be at a bigger school and, and be in the national championship contention. But I just think Gary Patterson is too good of a coach for TCU to continue to struggle. I'm a big believer in Max Duggan. I, I think that that combined with the weapons TCU has on offense, I think they have the tools needed to win the Big 12, especially if Oklahoma can if Oklahoma struggles to fix their defense or if we get vintage Oklahoma where they come out and lose a game or two, they have no business losing and potentially not even reach that big 12 championship game. You could really see a team like TCU bounce on that. But I do think the door is open for say TCU largely because of that coaching quarterback combination. That was a terrific answer. Um, all right, and since we're on the Big 12 championship game and who's going to win it, um, according to FanDuel uh, in Pennsylvania, here are the odds. Oklahoma at minus 170 is the favorite. Um, Iowa State at plus 250. Oklahoma, Texas, and TCU all at plus 1,200. West Virginia plus 2,500. Kansas State plus 5,000. Baylor plus 5,000. Texas Tech plus ten thousand, Kansas plus twenty five thousand. Out of all those, I mean, TCU at plus twelve hundred is is pretty good value. Does Kansas yeah, I mean, does Kansas win a game this year, boys? Do they win a game this year? Let me look at the schedule. I remember we talked about this when we previewed the Big Twelve, and I don't remember who it is. I just remember saying Kansas better win Week One. South Dakota. They better yeah. beat South Dakota. If Kansas does not beat South Dakota, they are not winning a game. <laughs> and like I know nothing about South Dakota, but whatever that line is, I would probably put money on South Dakota in that game. I would too. I agree. All right, here's the win totals. We'll go through these real quick. Um Baylor plus I mean over under five and a half wins. Their schedule uh, yeah, let me go through. Let me. I'll read off these team schedules as we go through. All right, Baylor, Texas State, Texas Southern, Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, Texas, uh, TCU, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Texas Tech. Say five and a half. I'm gonna take the under. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going under. I'm also going to go under. Uh, I'm five wins, maybe pushing it. Uh, Iowa State over under nine and a half wins. Um, I don't think I need to read the schedule off for all these teams. Iowa State includes non-conference of Northern Iowa, Iowa, and UNLV. Nine and a half. Yeah, if it was eight and a half, I'd say over for sure. Yeah, nine, nine and a half, I'm going under. Largely yeah. that Iowa game. That's too much of a swing game for me to go over nine and a half. Yeah, I, I agree. Because, I mean, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Oklahoma are all already going to be very tough games, including then you got TCU, Texas, yeah, Texas, and then Iowa. I'm going under nine and a half. Here's what I'm going to say. If they beat Iowa in week Two, they'll go over. They'll go ten and two. If they lose yeah, to Iowa, they'll go. That. They'll go under. Uh, I think that's fair. That's going to be a tough Kansas, game for them. Kansas is over under one and a half. Kansas one and a half <laughs> under easy under. That's the easiest money in the world. I thought it was going to be point yeah. five. I really thought you were going to say point. I five. was expecting point five too. Like if point five, I think about it. At one and a half, I would put every penny I own on Kansas going under one and a half. Pound me under. Pound it. Put your life right. on it. Like I'm Kansas. running I'm running to the bookie to get that bet in before that number changes. Kansas State over under five and a half. Non conference includes Stanford, uh, Nevada, and Southern Illinois. Oh, over. I think they they run the table in non con. That's definitely an over. Yeah, I'll go I over go, as well. I'll go, go over. Yeah. 
I think they win seven or eight games this year. Yeah, I think they get at least seven. Oklahoma, 11. No half, I, just 11. Yeah, I think that's a push. Give me the push, yeah. I don't think Some, they get defeated. Somebody gets them at some point. As always. Oklahoma State over under seven and a half. Non-conference includes Tulsa, Boise State, and uh, Missouri State. Boise State can make things interesting with them this year, but I'm going to still say over. I'd say they get eight. I, I'm going to go under because of Boise State. I, I think that's a probably four conference loss. Oh, man, I don't know. Four conference loss sounds like a lot for them. I'm still going to go under. I just don't. It's weird to say this with a Mike Gundy team. I just don't trust that offense enough. I'm a big Spencer Sanders fan, so I'm going to go over because I think they get probably eight wins. Yeah, if Spencer TCU, Sanders stays healthy, I think they get eight. If Spencer Sanders is injury-prone again, I could easily see them pushing or going under. Well, it's just half, so it can't be a push, but I can see them going under. TCU, seven and a half wins. Non-conference includes Duquesne, Cal, and SMU. Duquesne, baby, what a game. Def- I'm, I'm, as much as the Dukes are going to give them a fight, give me the over <laughs> What what is the small school PA Pittsburgh school doing in Fort Worth, baby? But um, I'll, yeah, I'll go over. I think I think TCU could surprise this year. If uh, anybody ever wants a good laugh, uh, look up Duquesne Rooney Athletic Field, and that's the field that the Duquesne Dukes usually play on. And then they're going to be going down to Fort Worth and playing against TCU. Like. The real question is, what the hell did the Big 12 do to point they have to schedule Duquesne and Long Island for non-conference games? That's Especially brutal. Long Island. The football program I legitimately like did not know Long Island had a football program until about 20 minutes ago. Is, Dylan, is like, that a practice field? I'm not going to lie. I thought you were like getting something wrong. So I heard him look at the schedule. What was that, Anthony? I said, is, is that a practice field? Do they play on a practice field with like no fans? <laughs> uh, basically. That's crazy. Like, there's literally, like, no, there's, like, the bleachers are, like, high school bleachers. They're, like, less than high school bleachers. Yes. Most rural rural Pennsylvania high schools have bigger bleachers than Duquesne. They couldn't. Damn. That, that's crazy. Kids actually go to play football in college. Good for them. For, for comparison's sake, the school district that I live in, which is not a big school district, um, Pennsylvania in classification goes single A through six A. We're double A, so we're not very big. Our stadium's attendance is eleven hundred larger than Duquesne's. Jesus, yeah, it says uh, twenty two hundred seat or forty four thousand five hundred capacity. It's yeah, our, our high school's capacity is fifty six hundred. Damn. Well, I'm sorry to shit all over Duquesne, but uh, that that's brutal. Yeah, it's all right. I think TCU will be as well. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Texas, eight wins. I think I'm going to... What's the non-con look like? Non-con, yeah. Let's go non-con. Um, That's going to be big here. Arkansas, Louisiana, and Rice. That's not easy. Arkansas is a team that could be Texas if they don't show up. So could Louisiana. Louisiana could yeah. definitely be Texas if they don't show up. I feel like a lot of people will say over on this because it's Texas. Which, Eight wins. Which I feel like the smart play would be under, but I could see this being a push. I, I can't I can't go more than a push on eight. I mean like TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma in my mind, that's three losses. And you got to think between the rest of the conference, and you throw in that Arkansas and and Arkansas Asians, yeah, they'll lose. All, That's a push. They also have to go on the road to TCU, Baylor, Iowa State, and West Virginia. I mean, TCU and Iowa State are definitely losses, and if West Virginia got them in Morgantown, that wouldn't shock me. All right, Anthony, over under eight, Texas. I said push. I think I think it's going to be a push. Eight and four sounds like a typical Texas season, especially in their first year under Stark. I do think they will improve next year, though. All right. Uh, Texas Tech, 
over under four and a half wins. Stephen F. Austin, FIU, and Houston are their non-con. Houston could make that interesting. Yeah, this... Four and a half. It was three and a half or four and a half? Four and a half. I'll say under for now. Yeah, I'm going to go under also because I think they lose to Houston, and I can't see them winning more than two conference games. So give me yeah. under four and a half. I, like, this is semi-off topic, but like sneaky, I think Matt Wells could really be in the hot seat this year. I definitely think he is. Too. I mean, Texas Tech fans aren't happy with him. He's probably a hire they never should have made, but there's also no better hire they probably could have made. Could have made, yeah. This um, system was so similar to what they were running. It made yep. sense. But, I mean, in the end, running Kingsbury out of town is something they probably shouldn't have done. But at the same time, the NFL was interested in him. They were going to lose him anyway. And, and then on a funny term, Matt Wells uh, today called the Texas Tech, Texas Tech quarterback room the best quarterback room in Texas Tech history. Oh, man. I I, I always thought Pat Mahomes went to Texas Tech, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, they had Pat Mahomes. They had uh, – like the, the coach that he replaced was probably yeah. a better quarterback than any quarterback on this roster right now. Fact. I think they – I think at one point they had some uh, Baker kid – yeah, they, they, they've had they've had they've had some good ones over the years. I've heard. Yeah, no, no disrespect to Tyler Shaw, but I, I don't think he is a Pat Mahomes, a Baker Mayfield, or even a Graham Harrell when he was there with Crabtree. So, I, I will say, if this truly is the best quarterback room Texas Tech has ever had, I'm definitely switching my pick to the over. But I'm perhaps going to call shenanigans on this one. Perhaps he just means that the quarterback room itself was upgraded and it now has, like, a smart board. You know what? That could be it. They might have some new chairs in there. That's true. He could be talking about the quarterback room in general, like the literal yeah. room they have their meetings in. Like, maybe they just got, like, facility upgrades. Like, that that changes everything. Uh, do we want to continue on naming Texas Tech quarterbacks that are probably better than what they have now? <laughs> no, I think we can move on. I think we're good. Um, where were we? Texas Tech. That leaves us with West Virginia, um, a place close to Anthony's heart. So Anthony, over under six and a half wins. Yeah, I'll be there in three days because I start medical school there. But uh, what was it? Six. Not 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 West Virginia University of West Virginia. Yeah, but no. a university. A, a university in West Virginia, but not WVU. What was the number? Six and a half wins? Yes. Ooh. Non-con of Virginia Tech, Long Island, Maryland. Oh, that's a tough non-con. I um, know. The Sharks can really jump out and get them. Six and a half. Oh, that's a hard one. Jesus. Um, six and a half, right? Marty, you go first. I'm, 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 I'm not sure. I'm torn, I'm torn between six and seven. I'm like torn between six and seven wins for them this year. To me, it all hinges on the non-con. Like, it does. Because I could see a scenario where Maryland goes back to being Maryland and sucks, and Virginia Tech comes out this year and just Fuente's not totally in it, and they kind of check out. But at the same time, I could also see a scenario where West Virginia gets bulldozed in both those games. Where are they playing? Are they at? Yeah, where are those games at? Let me pull it up. I got, I think if it's in Blacksburg, I'm probably going to Hokies. That's one thing from last Maryland year. College Park. I mean that that's not a home field advantage. So it's it's West Virginia. With West Virginia. Virginia Tech is traveling to West Virginia. Okay. West Virginia is traveling to Maryland. Okay, so one. I'm gonna one. go out on a limb and say West Virginia goes two and zero there because I still think they have more talent than Maryland and. One thing I'm going to be a big believer in this season is because of COVID last year, I think home field advantage this year, especially a place like Morgantown, which is tough to play anyhow, is going to be huge because I think fans are going to be so razzed up after, you know, either having no attendance or limited attendance last year. I think home field advantage is going to be huge this year, especially for some of these schools who already have a good home field advantage. So I'll go out on them. I'll say that they run the table in non-con, and if they do that, they're definitely getting over six and a half. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking the over. But that's yeah. that's tough. This will be the toughest one we've had yet for the conference. It is. I, one, one thing I will say, because I wanted to say it before, but I couldn't say it. West Virginia was five and zero at home last year and zero and four on the road. So going off of that logic, they'll split those two games with Virginia Tech and Maryland. I'm still gonna say they get the over. I'll I'll say they go seven wins, but that's a tough one. Because I mean, I think even if you so let's say they split those. Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, I'm very comfortable chalking up as wins. That already gets you to four, and I think they're a good enough team that they find three more somewhere else. Agreed. I, I, I'm also taking the over. And I think that's pretty much everything. Any other thoughts on the Big 12 or college football in general before we uh, get to the Garrett next week for one or maybe two episodes? No, I, I think just Big 12 wide, because um, whenever I was texting answers earlier, Dylan, when my Wi-Fi was being stupid, um, I kind of misunderstood the question about the biggest X factor in the Big Ten or in the Big 12. Sure. I will say that I think one big X factor conference wide, not so much for determining a conference champion, but the conference as a whole with Oklahoma, I'll go back to that defense. If that defense can take another step forward this year under Alex Grinch, and they can avoid their yearly like WTF loss. I yeah. think Oklahoma gets back to the college football playoff. And obviously for the conference, that's a big deal. And I do think that because I'm expecting Oklahoma's defense taking a step forward. And with Spencer Rattler, I think they could be better suited this year than they've ever been to finally not just make the playoff, but finally get a win while there. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to put it. And I guess the last question I have is do you guys think the winner of the Big 12, Oklahoma, do you think they have enough to win a national championship this year on paper? I want to say yes because they might have the best quarterback in the country. That's and kind that, of that always gives you a leg up. But I, I just struggle to see Oklahoma actually doing something of relevance in the playoffs because they just haven't yet. But if they're going to do it, this is... Because they, they had the best quarterback in the country with Baker Mayfield and went to the playoff twice with him and neither time could they win a game. And that included that Georgia game in the Rose Bowl. They had no business losing. And, and I do think a, a factor for them as well, and this is a topic for another day, but... I love Lincoln Riley. I think he's a terrific offensive mind. I don't think he's a good game manager as a coach because I remember in that Rose Bowl game, some of his calls down the stretch really led to Georgia being able to get back in it and tie and put it in overtime. So I don't know. Heat of the moment, if I would trust Lincoln Riley quite yet, I think he needs to prove it. As weird as it may sound, I think he needs to prove it to me a little bit more. The reason I'm timid on saying they're a national, a true title contender, is I, I'm just not sure I'm ready to trust the defense to the point that it would take for them to win a championship. I mean, stopping Texas, TCU, Iowa State is a whole lot different than stopping Georgia or Ohio State or Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. I'm or Clemson. Because, I mean, like, realistically, let's look ahead. Let's say Alabama wins the SEC, gets a top seed. Let's say Oklahoma goes 12 wins, Big 12 champions. are probably looking at a, at a first-round matchup with Clemson with DJU, Yongalele, those receivers. It, Oklahoma's got to prove they can stop something before you have faith in them be able to beat Clemson in that game. Or if they would, you know, get past that, get to the national championship game to prove that they can stop Alabama or whoever it may be. Agreed. And I think with that, we'll wrap it up basically an hour episode here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the CFB365 podcast. Be sure to like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter. Do all that fun stuff we like to say at the end of every episode. We'll be back next week as media days continue. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Football season is just right around the corner. And we'll talk to you guys real soon.